Thank you, Lord, for your anointing, your presence, your spirit, God, always resting on your people, ready to strengthen, encourage, uh, sharpen us. Lord, we stand before you and we just ask you to do a work in our hearts today. We pray that, Lord, as we talk about having our hearts strengthened as we look forward to your final return, Lord, when you establish your kingdom on this earth, let us both have the fear of the Lord in our hearts, Lord, that would keep us close to you and also a love and a joy and a peace that can only be produced by your Holy Spirit's indwelling. So, Lord, we pray now that you would anoint your word and let it go forth, God. I pray for every soul in this room, Lord, that each of us by the end of uh, this day, this service, would walk out of this place confident that we are in right relationship with you and ready to stand before you and be welcomed into your glorious kingdom. We love you, Lord. We invite you now to minister to our hearts through your word. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. You may be seated. It's good to be with you this morning. It's Advent, and Advent is, I was with the 9 o'clock service this morning preaching, and I said Advent is kind of like uh, if you have fallen asleep during the rest of the church year, it's like a trumpet in your ear. Um, and it is like, wake up, he's coming back, and get ready. Okay, so it really is, it really is a uh, season that um, is... It calls us to look inward at where we are with the Lord and make sure that our hearts aren't getting weighed down with the wrong things. And it's um, the gospel passage today. The things that Jesus says are both kind of are their encouragements and their warnings. And we need both of those to stay on track, don't we? When if I if I only encouraged my children, but I never warned them, uh, I, they, I would be allowing them to go down a path of self-destruction. Okay, we all need both encouragement and warning from the Lord so that we take him seriously because how many of you know that Jesus said the, the way is narrow that leads to life and few there be that find it. And the path that leads to destruction is broad and it's very inviting and appealing. And so Advent is meant to kind of shake us up, make us kind of sweat a little bit and loosen our collars and make sure that we are walking right with the Lord. Now, it's not meant to God's people need to have a confidence and we're going to see that by things that uh, the Lord says. But it is meant to really kind of take spiritual stock of our lives and say, if the Lord returned right now, would that be terrifying for me or would it be a joyful day of redemption? Okay, so let's. Let's talk about, uh, let's look at Luke chapter 21 this morning. There's two advents, and one of them has already happened. And if you just look back for a moment, the collect of the day that I just prayed a few moments ago um, captures this idea very, very uh, eloquently. And, it, and it's on the pa- bottom of page five, and it reminds us that there's two advents. Advent just means an appearing or a coming Okay, so there was the first coming, and that was Jesus who came in humility and lowliness. He came as a baby wrapped in clothes, vulnerable to uh, all of the uh, extremities of life. And so our colleague said, um, give us grace to cast off darkness and put on the armor of light now in this life in which your son came to visit us in great humility. Okay? So while we still have the opportunity, Lord, make us ready to, and, and make us always casting off every work of darkness and clothing ourselves with your light so that in the last day, now he's going to talk about Advent 2, okay? when the Jesus comes again in his glorious majesty, okay? he's coming back, but not in human frailty anymore. He's not coming back in lowliness and weakness as a baby. He's coming back in all of his blazing glory. 
and he's going to have written on his thighs, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I always tell my wife, I wonder what the background music is going to be. I don't think it's going to be Celine Dion. I think it's going to be like heavy metal because <laughs> he's coming to slay his enemies. Okay, uh, he, okay, the Lord is good, but there's two Advents in the, the Advent that we focus on in the liturgical year is about his second coming. It's about his return in all of his radiant glory. And the message of Advent is be prepared, be alert, don't let your hearts get weighed down, don't, don't get distracted by the things of the world and lose hope and fall away from the Lord. The Lord Jesus warns his disciples, he says in Matthew 24, that many, he says, the hearts of many will grow cold because of lawlessness. So Jesus says before his return, actually, he talks about two different things that are going to happen. One is that there's going to be a great, significant falling away. People who, who maybe were never real believers or they were and their lives and their hearts got tangled up in sin and temptation and the things of the world and they turned from the Lord and they made something else their God. Okay. And that's, that's one, one thing that's going to happen before the Lord returns. Okay. And it's, it's a pruning of the tree. And I think the Lord has already begun that process. A third of people stopped attending church after the COVID shutdown. And, and most of them have not returned. That sounds like a pruning to me. Okay. Now, I'm not saying everybody that hasn't been in church every Sunday since COVID is an unbeliever or something like that. It's just there's things stirring in the spiritual realm, in the heavenly realms. The Lord really is purifying his church and, and, and for, for his return. And he's preparing it. And he wants to purify his whole church, but he wants to purify and prune all of us as an act of love. How many of you know that when the Lord speaks difficult and challenging things to us, he's shepherding our hearts? My children don't realize, my son doesn't realize that when I say, you may not point the dart gun at your sister's face because we need to respect people's safety, he does not realize I'm shepherding his heart. He just thinks I'm being mean and he's... <laughs> so don't be like that when Jesus brings correction into your life to say, I need to work on this thing with you because you need to be prepared, you need to be pure, you need to be ready for my return. Now the second thing that's going to happen though is that, and this is good news, is that there is going to be a significant harvest into the kingdom of God before the Lord returns. The gospel is going to be preached to all nations, and there is going to be a multitude of people. I don't know what the number is. Some people say billion soul harvest. I don't know where they got that number. But there's going to be a lot of people, I believe, who come into the kingdom. Because in the way that that is going to happen is that the true church of Jesus Christ is going to be awake and they're going to take their mission seriously and they're going to care more about reaching the lost than binge watching Netflix every night of the week. Okay, so that that is something that we have to take seriously because we are called to be a part of that. What a joy to get to participate in reaching people for Jesus. So look at Luke chapter 21. Jesus says this, okay, that there's going to be signs in the sun, moon, and stars, and on the earth. There's a good chance that what that refers to, that, that there's some symbolism going on there in, 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 in biblical days, talking with language about shifts in the sun, moon, and stars, often meant that a new political regime was coming, that there was going to be a shift. Okay, and so it's probably a reference to when Jesus returns that what is going to be fully manifest is who, the, who is the true king of the world. Okay, he is really on the throne and that's going to become very clear to all of the world. Okay, and so what he says is at that time, verse 27, they will see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Okay, so that's not 
gentle Jesus, meek and mild in the swaddling clothes anymore. I like him too. We, we should. But this is Jesus. Nobody's going to have any mistake about who is coming in the clouds, including people who denied him all their lives. Okay? And this is what Jesus says is going to happen to people. This is what it's going to be like for people who have that kind of uh uh-oh moment when they see him coming. Verse 28, when these things begin to take place. Well, wait, that's that's not it. I want to back up for a minute. Verse 26, he says, people will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world. Okay? So, like, he says people are going to, like, be dropping like flies, like passing out because it's going to be so terrifying. So imagine rejecting Jesus all your life. Have the opportunity to receive him as Lord, but choosing to be Lord of your own life or, or maybe even getting to a point where you you mock things like the Bible and people who believed in it. And then imagine seeing him coming on the clouds. You're going to be like gulp. <laughs> um, it's going to be terrifying. And I don't want to make light of it because in, in our, our, our attitude is not to be, well, serves them right, heathens. They had their chance. They could have received him. Our attitude should be we should have the heart of the father and say, I need to reach the lost because the time is growing short because the father loves those people. The father loves people who are rejecting Jesus. Did you know that he wants to meet? He wants to greet. The, he wants to uh, he wants to bring them into his presence. He wants to save them. The father loved you when you didn't care about Jesus. And he drew you to him in his love. And, the, and that is the mission of the church. And that's why I'm going to continue to um, hammer this idea of casting our nets this year and being very strategic on a weekly or monthly basis, going out and casting nets in groups and, and talking to people about God and his kingdom and, and praying for them. Okay, Because we need to be a part of that harvest that is going to be a global in its uh, span. God placed you at a church in Maitland, Florida in 2022 for such a time as this to be a part of what what he's doing, whether there's 20 of us here or 50 or 500, how it doesn't matter. You're here for this moment and God has a destiny uh, placed on your life to be a part of reaching people for the lost. So when somebody re- when Jesus returns in the clouds, somebody will say, I can lift up my head and not be terrified because Carl told me about Jesus, because Johnny told me about Jesus, because Whitney told me about Jesus, because Carmen told me about Jesus, right? And so that's what we want to think about when we think about Jesus returning. We don't want to see people perish. Second Peter chapter 3 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. That is, he's not, he's not just, he hasn't forgotten to return to the earth. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish but all to come to a knowledge of the truth, to repent and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So we need to be uh, strategic and intentional and filled with the Holy Spirit this year when it comes to reaching the lost this new year. Amen? Okay. I think y'all, some of y'all need some more coffee. All right. <clears throat> okay. Jesus says to this, now this should encourage your heart. There's, this, this stuff is kind of scary, it is, but it's meant to inspire not scary where we run away from God, but fear of the Lord where we run to him and say, God, search my heart. I want to be right with you. I want to live a holy life before you so that when you come, it can be a happy day for me. <laughs> okay, and that's what Jesus says to his disciples. He says in verse 28, when these things begin to take place, that is when the, the, the world is being shaken and chaos is on the loose, okay, Sounds a little bit like 
something maybe we're experiencing right now. When these things begin to take place, he says to you, daughter of God, son of God, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Okay, so to be redeemed, your full redemption, okay, God redeemed us from the slavery of sin and death when we put our trust in Jesus, but full redemption is coming that every bondage to this earth and to sin and to uh, temptation, everything will be broken and we will be redeemed and set completely free and glorified in his presence. Hallelujah. And we, the Lord wants to encourage us that as things get more and more difficult for us as Christians, that as the allure of the world becomes more strong and it is And the voice of the enemy that coming against the church, and it is, as it gets stronger and stronger, we need to be prepared. This is why right now in a season of relative ease and peace and freedom that we have to worship, we need to take it very seriously. It's not a time to fall asleep at the wheel of our Christian lives. It is to be prepared because I'm telling you that a season is coming when it's going to be more strenuous to worship God publicly, to be able to speak the scriptures publicly, because that is going to be, that voice is going to be stifled. And we, or the enemy is going to attempt to do it. And the people who will still stand up and speak that word are going to encounter difficulties. And this is a great season for us to be preparing ourselves and to be drawing close to the Lord in worship, in our private prayer lives, in seeking to be full of the Holy Spirit, in our service to others, to the community. This is the time to be all in. Everybody say all in. This is the time. Because what we have to look forward to is the happiest day of our lives. Because when you see him coming, you will know, I know him. He's my best friend. He's my Lord. I have spent time with him every day for years, and I know him. And it will be a day of great joy. It will be a great day of great joy for you. God, the, the, the Bible says that Jesus has returned. It, it, his, it's delayed for the very reason that God wants to extend more time to people who have repented of their sin and turned to Jesus. That's his fatherly heart. And so that's why he hasn't returned yet and why things are going to continue to get more difficult. It's because the Lord is like waiting on his church to do their job, so to speak, to, to carry out their mission and their vocation. And we want to be a people who who can say that we, we can stand before him and say we bore the fruit that we were called to bear. We used the gifts that God gave us and we shook off our slumber when we found ourselves falling into spiritual slumbers and we shook it off and we pressed deeper into life with the Lord and we went after him with everything so that we could continue faithful in our lives. That's hard to do. I don't stand before you and say, uh, you know, come up here to my level. I'm doing that all the time. I never struggle. It's very difficult to stay faithful to the Lord on a daily basis and not get weighed down by the cares of this life. It's so much easier to get on YouTube and just binge watch videos and news clip and your favorite talking heads. And, and, and it's so much easier to do that and to get tangled up in that than it is to sit and be quiet and say, Lord, I believe that you want to speak to me. Show me where to be in your word today. And to still our hearts before him, right? We live in a society that's like information overload, information, 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 information. It's what you need. Information is your savior. No, 
Jesus. I need Jesus. Okay, so we need to get back to that place of really being alone with the Lord and together with the Lord. Okay, um, I want to look at, uh, go down to verse 33. Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And we have his words bound, easily accessible. You can buy a Bible at Walmart. We have it so accessible to us. And he says, my words will never pass away. And yet so many Christians have dusty Bibles. They've lost heart in reading it, studying it, finding life in it. If that's you, I plead with you, go. There's no switch that you can turn on, but go and open your Bible and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I need this to become the bread of life to me again. I need it to become the word of life. I need to hear your voice in this. I need to read this every day. The Holy Spirit, I need you to do a work in my heart because I want to be so familiarized with your word and your spirit and your voice that when you return, I know I'm going to stand before you with confidence. That's the most important thing you could do if you've lost your love for being in the scriptures. Okay? Now, I, I know that's nobody here, but I'm just saying in case you know somebody who's struggling with that. <laughs> okay. Um, Jesus says this. Let's look at verse 34. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down. I was thinking about what does it mean to have a heart that is weighed down? Well, your heart does, doesn't usually just all of a sudden become completely weighed down. Think of like a backpack. Okay, remember when you're in school and when I was in grade school, the books were like big and heavy, social studies, science, math, and you start putting the books in and your backpack or you have mom put them in and the backpack starts getting heavier and heavier because one thing after another is accumulating. And it is when we as believers are not intimate with the Lord and we become increasingly distracted by the things of this life that we're actually accumulating things that are going to give us a heavy heart. How many of you realize that the more you binge on pleasure, your heart is less free spiritually? Okay, I, how many of you have sat and binge watch eight, eight episodes of The Walking Dead and ate a bag of potato chips and ate a pint of ice cream and, and then felt like super fantastic afterwards? <laughs> it's because our hearts can get weighed down by the anxieties of this life, by the temptations of this life. Jesus, interestingly, speaks specifically about drunkenness. Alcohol is, is such a snare it's such a snare because it causes us to lose control. And Paul says, don't lose control by imbibing wine or beer or liquor, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, I, I've shared my own personal testimony before. And it was shortly after I knew the Lord had been dealing with me for a long time to be broken and be free of drinking alcohol. And it was shortly after that that I was completely filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
But my heart was weighed down with sin, with, with idolatry of needing to unwind with, with fancy beer all the time. And the Lord was dealing me, with, with me with that. Even It wasn't like getting drunk all the time, but it was just that, oh, I need a beer or two, I need a beer or two, I need to unwind. And the Lord was dealing with me, and when I finally gave that up, he was like, finally, you have moved the junk out of my temple so I can fill it up more. And that was a turning point in my life. Do I never, ever experience the temptation to drink? No, of course I do. I'm a human being. Okay? So I'm not condemning anybody for struggling with temptation. But there are things that some of us, the Lord is probably calling us to be free of because it's like a little mini bondage and we kind of been justifying it like, yeah, it's not that bad. It's just, you know, it's, I, I deserve it, that, whatever it is, whatever it is for you. The Lord wants to just break that and, be, and set you free so that you can be pure. And that you can find all your satisfaction and joy in him. Amen? Um, I want to I talk about three things that we can do to strengthen our hearts. I want, I want people's hearts to be strengthened today. And sometimes our hearts get strengthened by the, letting the Lord challenge us. Okay? So that we can experience the transformation that he wants us to experience. Because what it's going to lead to is greater and abundant joy in our lives. So Jesus' words are, are challenging today, but they're for our own good and for uh, people who are willing to go through an initial period of kind of acute anxiety and pain in their hearts with wrestling with the things that are weighing them down are going pa- to break through a threshold and experience the joy of the Lord. I want to just go with this for a minute. Chuck Yeager is the man who broke this sound. Does anybody know the story? Of Chuck Yeager, the air pilot who broke the speed of sound. <clears throat> this, is some, this is a great analogy for our spiritual lives. When we're trying to press in to, to, um, to be close to the Lord, to be intimate with the Lord, to know and have that confidence that we're walking in such a way that's pleasing to the Lord. Or maybe some of you are, are seeking to be baptized in the Holy Spirit or to receive that fullness that you feel like maybe you haven't received yet or you need it again because you haven't had it in a long time. And sometimes you might find that as you're seeking and pursuing the Lord, it's like your life is just getting more difficult. And you're like, what is up with this? What is up with this? Lord, I'm just trying to get close to you and I feel like this cloud over me and I can't even pray. You're engaged in a battle. And sometimes perseverance requires that we press deep into the turbulence before we hit smooth sailing. And so what Chuck Yeager, what was different about him was there was there was a number of air pilots who tried to break the speed of sound flying their fighter jets or whatever. And they would get up to 500, 550, 600. And the, the turbulence would get so bad. Shaking, 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 that anxiety would set in and they would either slow down or they would turn the plane and they, and some of them died in crashes because it was, it was a dangerous thing to do. And then finally, Chuck Yeager, I can't remember what year it was, um, he got in his plane and he got up and he was started going 500 miles an hour, 550, 600. 50 and the plane is shaking and the turbulence is getting almost unbearable and something in Chuck Yeager decided to overcome the anxiety to slow down or to turn his plane and he just gunned it and he kept going and then finally there was the sonic boom and it was he was sailing in that silent at the speed of sound which is like 732 miles an hour or something crazy like that 
And sometimes when we are looking to draw close to the Lord and to be walking in the fullness that he has put in our heart as a desire to have from him, we are going to encounter turbulence in our spiritual lives. Temptations, despair, discouragement, anxiety. And the Lord says, don't get weighed down. Keep pressing in because there is something coming for you that's going to be sweeter than you could have ever imagined. We, we almost never grow spiritually without some kind of initial pain. Okay, right? That's like no pain, no gain. That, that applies to the spiritual life. And sometimes it just takes get, being disciplined and getting before the Lord and saying, Lord, help me to just sit before you. I'm so anxious. I'm so antsy. I don't really want to be before you. You know, you can be honest with him and tell him, I don't really feel like reading your word right now for a half hour, but will you help me? And he's gracious. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And he comes alongside you with his gentle hand around you and he'll help you because he wants intimacy with you that bad. I'm totally off track here from this is I'm working with the template from my 9 a.m. sermon, but the Lord is just going in a different direction. So we'll just go with it for a couple more minutes here. Jesus says to be always on the watch, verse 36, be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. So there's, there's a couple of things that, that we could talk about there before we close. One is watchfulness. It's being alert. Um, if you don't have a practice of reading and studying the Bible... But you do have a regular practice of listening to what the people on the news are telling you or the videos that you're seeing pop up on Facebook or YouTube. The problem with that is that you're going to have a hard time because there's a standard of truth. Okay? And it's God's word. And if this isn't, if we're not imbibing this, then we might start to get like, well, that sounds good. And then find out when it's too late that that was actually false teaching. That's not what the Lord's heart was on that issue. And yet I got tangled up in it and led astray. Okay. So this is kind of like the, the Bible should be the lenses that you put on through which you view the news. I'm not saying all news is, is fake news, though there is quite a bit of that out there on both sides of the political spectrum. But you need to put on your Bible lenses and your Holy Spirit lenses when you watch the news or watch things on YouTube and test it up against God's Word. That's why I encourage us to all always be growing in our knowledge of the Word. Wherever you are right now, that's fine. But go deeper. Okay, go deeper, whether it's just making yourself read a couple chapters a day or whatever, asking the Lord to show you, ask me if you need a book to help you that will help you understand what the Bible is or come to our Bible study on Tuesday nights. Uh, There's two of them, two options, but that is what will help us be watchful because um, it's easy to get the Satan always uses a little bit of he always just takes the truth and he just twists it a little bit. Okay. And that's a lot, I see a lot of that coming out of, out of the mainstream media. There's certain truths, but there's ideologies that are put forth, and then they're twisted in a way that actually pulls it away from what the Bible would actually teach. Okay, so we want to we wanna be, be steeped in the Word as a people. That is what's going to help us be watchful. Okay, now the other thing he says is pray. I thought this is interesting that the Lord says pray that you will, for two things, that you'll be able to escape all that is about to happen, which is all of the 
difficulties that are coming on the world. So it's not wrong to pray that we'll be able to escape persecution or oppression or, or whatever. We want to pray for safety and we want to pray for freedom to be able to worship the Lord and all those things. But he also says, and pray that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. So here's what I think about this. He's speaking to his disciples. And he is saying that prayer is going to be key in your ability to stand with confidence before him at his appearing. Which I think implies that if we grow lax in our spiritual lives and in our seeking after the Lord, it is indeed possible to turn away from him. Okay? God will never let you go unless you turn in the other direction yourself. And then he will let you go. And the best safeguard against that is to be close to Jesus all the time. And so um, I believe that that is, I think the Bible speaks many times about the ability to actually fall away from the faith. Now, most Christians who fall away, they don't just wake up one day and say, I don't think I want to be a Christian anymore. I think I want to be a Buddhist or a pagan or, or whatever, or I'm an atheist or whatever. That's not how it works. I was reading a book once and the author said, it was, he was like a researcher, and he said every ex-pastor or ex-Christian leader that I talked to that had lost their faith, it all started with a pattern of neglecting their prayer closet. They, they drew away from God and slowly, when you, when you put distance between yourself and God because you're not in his presence praying ever, you're opening the door for the enemy to get a foothold in your life. And he'll start, he'll, if you don't want, if you don't make the time to listen for the Lord, the enemy will, he'll feed your ear with stuff. You don't want that. (laughs) Okay. So pray. What does it mean to pray? It just means being close to Jesus and communing with him. That's what he wants. Prayer is not a chore. We shouldn't think of it as a chore. We should think of it as a privilege because when God looks at you, And many of us wonder sometimes, I know I do, what is God thinking when he looks at me? God, his heart, the Bible says, actually has a desire for the spirit he's placed in you. So when God looks at you, he longs for you. So the greatest thing, one of God's greatest desires when he looks at us is that we would receive daily his invitation to get before him and to be quiet, to hear his voice, to receive his grace and love and his strength and power so that we will be able to be faithful till the end. I'm telling you, prayer is key. If your prayer life is suffering, go before the Lord and ask him to show you what he wants your prayer life to look like. And, and don't, if you're praying only for five minutes and you're like, yeah, that's got to change, don't say, okay, tomorrow I'm going to pray for two hours. <laughs> okay. Say, tomorrow I'm going to be with the Lord. I'm setting 20 minutes apart and I'm going to read Scripture or something like that. I'm going to read Scripture for half and then I'm just going to talk to Him for the half. Okay? And the Lord will honor the desire of people who want their prayer lives to come alive. He really will. He will honor that desire because He's more eager for it than you are. Your Heavenly Father, when you pray, Jesus says, go in secret. And your Heavenly Father, who is in secret, who that means He's already there, will reward you. Okay, so he's there and he likes to reward people for talking to him. That's how much God likes to talk to us and with us. Okay, Andrew Murray was an old uh, preacher from South Africa many years ago. And he said this, I think this is so good. Many Christians backslide. They are unable to stand against the temptations of the world or of their old nature. 
They strive to do their best to fight against sin and to serve God, but they have no strength. They have never really grasped the secret. The Lord Jesus will every day from heaven continue his work in me, but on one condition. The soul must give him time each day to impart his love and his grace. Time alone with the Lord Jesus each day is the indispensable condition of growth and power. So if we want to grow, we want our roots to go deeper in the Lord, make time for him every day. He just wants to love on you. And it might, I mean, he wants to love on you, encourage you. He might, he might have a word of, you know, uh, chastisement for you. I get those occasionally, believe it or not, from the Lord. Um, but it's all, he wants to shepherd your heart in that secret place. He wants to shepherd your heart and make you strong. That's what God wants. He's for you. He who gave, did not spare his own son, but gave him for us. Would he withhold anything from us? He's a good papa. But he wants us to be attentive to him in his presence. So I just want to close and say this. This is how I can summarize, if I could summarize the theme of Advent and what we should do about it is that to be prepared for the Lord's return, the only thing, the one thing that we need is to be close with Jesus. That's it. Remember when Martha and Mary, the sisters, were having Jesus over for dinner and Mary of Bethany was sitting at his feet and just listening to him and he was teaching and discipling her and uh, his, her sister Martha was in the, in the kitchen uh, baking spaghetti that Jesus never ordered and uh, she's clanging around anxiously and she says, Lord, don't you, can you please rebuke my sister and tell her like she needs to be in here helping me? And what does he say to her? He says, Martha, Martha. Can you see love in his eyes? Martha, Martha. He says, you are anxious and worried about many things, but Mary has chosen the most important thing, and it will not be taken from her. If you choose the most important thing, sitting at his feet, being with him, loving him, growing in your affection for him, it will not be taken from you, and you will be prepared to stand confidently and joyfully before him when he comes again. And his second return. Amen? Okay, let's pray. Lord, we love you. You are so good. You are the good shepherd of the sheep. And even when we wander away from you, your voice calls out and you come after us. I pray for anyone this morning that has a discouraged heart because they feel they may have been wandering away from you. I pray that you would reveal the affection and love that you have for them this morning and that your voice is not a finger-wagging, critical, condemning voice, but it's the voice of love that says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone would let me in, I would come in and share a meal with them as friends and commune with them. So Lord, I just pray that every heart this morning for the rest of this time together, that we would open our hearts, know that that you are knocking on the door of every one of our hearts, that we would open that door 
that we would see you enter in, gazing at us, saying, I'm so glad you opened the door. We're here to be with you, Lord, to hear from you and to bring, sing your praises. So prepare us, Lord, and strengthen our hearts for the day of your return. Amen. Amen. Let's stand up together this morning.